Good morning. Good morning and welcome to chapel. This morning for chapel, we have Corey Steinke sharing her faith story. And before we start, we will light the peace lamp. Today, we light the peace lamp for all those traveling and all those staying around for Thanksgiving. We especially want to remember those who may not be going home to a peaceful, accepting household or who may, uh, those who may not have any place to go at all. If you are looking for a place to spend tomorrow, check the communicator because there are options. Let us pray. God, we give you thanks for you are good. We are thankful for those you have placed in our lives, for family and for families of choice. We ask that you be with those who are traveling near and those who are traveling far. We pray for Corey today as she shares with us how you have worked and moved in her life. In your name we pray. Amen. Good morning, everyone. Um, so we would invite all of y'all to stand up and join us in singing the first two songs. The first one is Our God is Greater.
the next song we're gonna sing is Here I Am to Worship. So join along, okay? <laughs> Just by a show of hands, how many of you know Corey? Corey, look at that. It's a lot of people. So for a woman who needs no introduction, I'm going to give an introduction. 
Corey has been the director of student involvement since July, but has been at Goshen College for four and a half years, starting as the assistant director of residence life and student activities. Prior to GC, Corey was the residence director and civic engagement coordinator at Southern Vermont College. She completed her master's of education from Kent State University while working at Case Western Reserve University and Ursuline College as a graduate assistant or intern in the functional areas of civic engagement, student life, leadership development, LGBT student services, and campus ministry. So let's welcome Corey. All right, good morning, chapel enthusiasts. How are you? Are you ready for Thanksgiving? Okay, excellent. Um, so confession time, I'm like really terrified to be doing this right now um, because I, I don't like talking into a microphone and I actually really don't like talking about myself, which is like probably surprising to a lot of you. Um, but. <laughs> But uh, I am a woman who likes a challenge, uh, so if it's okay with you, I'm gonna be a little bit vulnerable. I'm gonna share a little bit about myself uh, today that you all might not know about me. Um, <clears throat> so my fairly average faith story starts in rural Southwest Ohio in a fairly average Catholic family. My family unit consists of two siblings and parents who have been married for 39 years. My mother joined the church when she married my dad. And I wouldn't consider us devout Catholics, but we did go to mass every Sunday morning at 7.30 a.m. And I'm not a morning person, never have been, so it started young. Uh, my parents did want church in our lives, but we didn't grow up with the constant reinforcement of Jesus or Bible quizzes or veggie tales. Um, my earliest memories of church are being around other people who seem very at ease with God and could tell you who begat who and who seemed to know all the rules. They were nice, but it felt kind of exclusive. Eventually, the Steinkeys joined a United Methodist Church, and I'll get to that soon, but around seventh or eighth grade, just in time for Catholic confirmation, I knew that I was not Christian. I now know that I was agnostic, but I didn't know that that was a thing until high school when my sociology teacher named it for me. I clearly remember sitting in that class talking about religion while he fired impossible questions about Christianity at my class. He was asking us stuff like, where does the soul go when the body dies? If God is so good, why is there suffering? If redemption and grace exist, what's the purpose of hell? How can Jesus be God and man? Now, having gone to church my whole life, I was flummoxed that I couldn't answer those questions. And those questions that I had no answer for made me feel even more excluded from God. I never told my parents that I didn't think I believed in God. They seemed very proud of my brother and sister for being really invested in church. I wasn't so much interested, and I think we can all agree that it's pretty normal for me to just do my own thing. I did humor them, though, and go through the motions. I closed my eyes and bowed my head while people prayed, taking advantage of the few seconds of nap time that I was rewarded for participating in the process. I didn't talk to my parents about it because we obviously didn't spend a lot of time talking deeply about God growing up and especially those big questions. But I also thought I'd break their hearts if they knew that I didn't believe in God. So back at our Catholic church and at our mass so early in the morning, music wasn't a thing. We went to mass so early that the organist wasn't even there. <laughs> it's a true story. 
there, there was never music except for Christmas and Easter, maybe Palm Sunday. On normal Sundays, we usually spoke through hymns. Masses were 40 minutes at 7.30 in the morning. Maybe that's why we went that early, but I don't know. Uh, our church was pretty quiet. We'd come in and genuflect and sit in silence. It felt like a formal meeting, and I just happened to sit with the same four people every, every time, my, my family. At this specific church, my, my church, it always felt really impersonal, um, but it was all I'd known church was like for a really long time. So around seventh grade, my family was invited to this United Methodist Church because they had a youth band that needed a drummer. And my brother happens to be a very talented percussionist and we were the type of family that went to everybody's thing. So all the choir concerts, all the softball games, soccer games, we went to everybody's stuff. I remember thinking the fact that they had music at all was weird, uh, let alone a band and let alone kids playing in the band. But we went and I remember being really intimidated. The music was loud and poppy, and I remember thinking the whole thing was really uncomfortable. My experience with church up to this point was to be reflective and quiet, not a place where people could talk to each other, and hugs happened, and people could bring in cookies and coffee into the sanctuary. When the service started, I distinctly remember standing between my mother and my father, but not singing. We didn't know the songs. Everyone around us seemed like they knew every single word, and again, I felt excluded from the thing. So we were starting to go more often, as my brother played pretty regularly, and we figured out that the songs were on Christian radio, so of course we started listening to Christian radio. We started buying CDs of the original artists and like the, the WOW 2005 albums and things like that. Uh, we started to go on Sundays when my brother wasn't even playing. My sister joined the youth choir and started volunteering for vacation Bible school. My mom started doing projects and my dad, my dad helped redo the sanctuary. He's not a super handy person, so if you're ever at Sydney First United Methodist Church, don't go up in the balcony. I, it's, it's at your own risk. This church, this church suddenly became the Steinke family home church, but somehow I felt lost in this new church family and even a little lost in my own family. And even after all that, I still didn't sing. I was still participating in the thing, albeit unenthusiastically, but I never felt compelled to even sing, never mind go all in the way my siblings did. And I would look around on Sundays and get really frustrated that people were feeling so connected to God. Their eyes were closed and their hands were raised high and they were singing really passionately. And it made me really anxious and kind of jealous and probably a little angry to feel so left out of the secret. The questions were different now. What did they understand that I didn't? What were they feeling that I couldn't? What was wrong with me? And why did God choose them and not me? So finally I got to leave for college. And I went to a college affiliated with the United Church of Christ, which I, I didn't know until the first day of orientation. I chose Heidelberg because it was a small school and it was a comfortable distance from home. I also was offered a spot on the softball team, which seemed like a really good way to make friends when no one I knew was going there but me. I was majoring in child psychology, and don't ask me why, because if you know anything about me, then you know I don't like children. Uh, despite being a Christian school, I never felt compelled to go to school chapel. It wasn't required at Heidelberg, and so I never went. Uh, or I'd never found a local church, because even when my mom would ask about it, I'd lie and say that I'd, I couldn't find, any ride, or find a ride or anything like that. 
I'd only met our campus minister once and he seemed like a real grade A weirdo. Funnily enough, at my Christian college, I was actually pretty relieved to feel like I didn't have to perform Christianity anymore. And I was very surprised that I'd found a community around me with Christians and other, otherwise that didn't make me feel insecure or less than because I wasn't Christian. And that was a very new feeling for me. About a month into school, I came home for a weekend away. A lot of my friends were going to Ohio State and hadn't left yet. We went to our high school football game with that fresh alumni smell and out, of, out for pizza and parties and caught up before they left for college. I was dreading Sunday because I knew I'd have to go put on the act. I'd have to go and perform for my family and for the church and pretend to be something that I wasn't. So I went to church and again, I stood between my mother and my father my mother and father now greeting people before sitting down and knowing people and singing. And they seemed to know every single word like they didn't need the slides anymore. And then there was me in agony and trapped between wanting so badly to belong to this thing that seemed so good and beautiful and wanting so badly to have nothing to do with it because it used to make me feel so bad about myself and what I didn't know and for asking too many questions for things that I didn't understand but I sang and it was impulsive and loud and probably really off key because I'm me and I sang. It was like when you open a shaken bottle of soda, that's literally the only feeling I can like describe to you, like psh, everywhere. And I remember feeling really surprised at myself and looking around to see if anyone had noticed how loud that I was singing. I suddenly became very conscious of what was going on around me, but pretty quickly figured out that no one was paying a lick of attention to me, so I just kept singing. And I sang the rest of that service, and for the most part, I haven't stopped singing since. So after that, I had my first conversation with God. I felt compelled to apologize for being such a jerk for so long, for letting my insecurities keep me from being in relationship with him, and for caring so much about what other people thought about me. So I went back to school and did the rational things. I quit the softball team and I changed to a double major in religion and music. Like, totally had my head on straight on that one. I knew I couldn't sing, but I felt completely and wholly led to be included in building someone else's relationship with God the way it happened for me through music. I became involved in campus ministry along with nearly everything else on campus. I went on service trips and actually became really good friends with that weirdo campus minister to this day. Sometime during my sophomore year, after making my piano teachers suffer sufficiently enough through lessons with me, I dropped my music major but stuck with religion. My mission became to connect people to Jesus through discipleship. So after graduating, I spent a year as a youth pastor because quite honestly, churches don't hire young single women to do much else besides working with kids. And it was unsurprisingly not a great fit for me. Remember, don't like kids. <laughs> so I decided to go back to grad school and through a winding road of a lot of different places and people and locations and denominations and experiences and jobs that are probably better left for what I call a pizza and beer conversation, here I am. So I obviously don't work in a church now but I still want to provide space for people to build relationships with each other and hopefully with Jesus. And no matter where my office is, that is what I need to be doing. So I used to think that God was only for people who grew up with him. And there are times where it still kind of feels like that. 
I still feel insecure in how much I know. And there are times when I really genuinely feel sad that it took almost 20 years for me to feel even kind of safe in who God is. And there are times where I still feel very not good enough for my church and for GC and for my community, sometimes for God. But despite all of that, 13 years after my life changed, there are three things that I do know. One, you are being relentlessly pursued by God right now at this moment, whether you can feel it or not. And God isn't going to stand you up, and God isn't going to break his promises, and God is not going to ghost you. No matter the distance that you try to put between yourself and God, God is going to keep running after you. And God wants so badly to be in relationship with you that he meets you where you are even when you stand him up and when you break your promises and when you ghost him. So when I looked around my churches and saw what I thought were people experiencing something that wasn't mine was actually my own ego's desire to keep distance. I thought there was something too different about me for God to ever want to be close to me. But just like building a relationship with anyone, building an intimate and passionate and life-changing relationship with God takes work. It takes time. And it's super convenient to think that praying a specific prayer one time will bring you up out of whatever valley you're in. And that, that really might be enough sometimes, but it takes a lot of work every other time. It takes daily commitment to grow into the idea that God has something better for you than right now. So do not be afraid to grow your relationship too big. Two, God wants us to be in relationship with each other. People are hard. People give us a lot of reasons to dislike them. I work in conduct, I know, <laughs> I know. But we cannot exist without one another. There are 59 one another statements in the New Testament which add up to 59 reasons why you and I are meant to be. Personally, one thing I'm really bad at is, is asking for help. Someone dear to me who probably knows me better than I'd ever let him think he does said to me around this time last year, Corey, you are a proud woman. And it has haunted me since, thinking about it a year later. He said it to me after I had a bout of pancreatitis and I wouldn't let anyone drive me home from church when I was sick. And I don't know if any of you have ever experienced pancreatitis, but it's basically 10 days straight of stomach pain and vomiting. It's really hard to be upright, let alone drive. But because I am who I am, I was pretty irritated that anyone would ever think I needed help, especially my closest friend. I've just been living by myself for such a long time, I've had to do a lot of things and figure out a lot of how to do a lot of things on my own. In these moments, I've always used the excuse that acts of service and gifts are not my love languages, which is true, but what it really is is pride. So I'm not good at asking for help, but what I am good at is letting my pride stand in the way of allowing me to be vulnerable. What I am good at is truly believing that I'm right all the time. And what I am good at is tricking myself into thinking I'm independent when I'm really keeping people at a distance. Pride is what keeps us from building Christ-centered relationships with each other, relationships that are rooted in grace and mercy and love. After 10 years, I thought I was a fierce woman who was making it on her own, but that had just been called out as pride by my best friend. And not the good kind of pride like you've won something, but the bad kind of pride that makes you kind of mean. It makes you a little bit judgmental. It maybe makes you a little bit cynical of people. 
So since then, I've been working really hard on breathing in Jesus and breathing out Corey because ultimately there needs to be more Jesus in our relationships with people reflected in our words and our actions and our thoughts. Number three, the big one. God loves us as we are, but continues to shape us into who we were meant to be. It is never, ever too late to accept the love of Jesus because he has already accepted us as we are. And this is the gospel. Yes, I'm a broken person, but Jesus makes me whole. Yes, people in and outside of the church will probably make me feel like I'm not good enough, but Jesus died for all of us. And yes, I will fail and fall apart, but the grace that I need to extend to myself and to others is only made possible by the grace Jesus has extended to me so freely. We don't deserve that, but there's literally nothing more or less that we can do right now in this moment to make Jesus love us more unconditionally than he already does. Jesus makes every single one of those things that make the world so complicated so simple, and we are so worthy of living into that gospel. So my prayer for you before Thanksgiving, before we all take off and come back later, is that even if life is super complicated, that you know that the gospel is not. The gospel is Jesus, and we never have to be excluded from him. And whatever else is going on, just keep singing. Amen? Amen. Corey, I want to thank you for sharing your story with us today, and I hope that these words are starting to become a little more familiar to you. I invite everyone to join in this next hymn. Uh, it is 544 in the blue hymnal, and we will be doing verses 1, 2, and 4, and I invite you to stand if you're able.
you could continue standing up, we, we will be singing our last song, Mighty to Say. this place knowing that you are loved and that you are the reason others give thanks. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. <laughs>